This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Thursday, the 16th of February, 2023. Today, we are talking to the company behind the infamous Twitter app that is no more. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Indeed, Sean Priest, how are you today? I am beautiful, thank you, Stephen Scott. My leg's hurting, but I'm here anyway. Look at me, I'm a trooper. You are a super trooper. Oh, what a segue. Well, you know, we were just talking before we came on. You did not know... No. That my hometown, which by the way has been everywhere the past week, everywhere, Apparently my town so. has been everywhere. Yes. Everyone's talking about it. My hometown of Glasgow in Scotland. Uh, because, yeah, you, you didn't even know that it was featured in the song Super Trooper. No, which I is surprising it. to me. Uh, in fact, I, lights are going to blind me, I thought it was. See, I've, I've got blindness on the brain. It's ridiculous. Lights are going to find me. I thought I knew every single word to Super Trooper, but apparently not. I was sick and tired of everything when I called you last night from Glasgow. Right. Super Trooper, that's by ABBA, right? That's the Swedish band, also known the for Swedish. Meatballs and Ikea. <laughs> yes. Not ABBA, but the, the Bjorn, Bjork, uh, Alison and the other one. Ada. Um, wh- <laughs> why, why, why are they calling from Glasgow? You see, they're on the road, right? The whole thing is they're on tour, mm. and they're tour. sick and tired of everything. I, I don't like that bit. When yeah. they... <laughs> <laughs> when they call me from Glasgow. That's the bit I'm kind of like, hang on a minute. So they basically get to Glasgow and they're sick and tired of everything. Uh, yeah, well, so they, they, he, she calls her uh, her love, you see. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's the kind of interesting, it's a tech show, honestly, discussion we have before we start recording. We played Super Trooper. We did. We actually line. got, the, although a terrible version of it from the movie Mamma Mia, which I've never seen. Oh, I've just signed up to Apple Music. Have you? Yeah. Yeah, my, my... Oh, hang, whoa, 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 hang on, right? Wait a minute here. What, what's what? going on? There's, there's, there's a change. I believe it was uh, Bob Dylan thing that said yes. a change is going to come. I think yes, it's blowing that. in the wind. Well, that's another story. I am sat on my commode. Well, you, <laughs> you can get cream for that, and I believe ointment as well. Um, I do like that word, ointment. Uh, but yes, uh, so uh, you've been buying keyboards. You've got the MX keys. And now you're subscribing to Apple Music. What's going on? Am I missing something here? Have you won the lottery? No, I am incredibly bored. There's something <laughs> about, <laughs> about being bedridden from the nose down that makes you just open up Amazon and spend money. I, I've always wanted that that keyboard that, that you got years ago and you've been banging on about for ages. I always wanted that one. So I was waiting to, you know, it, it came on a deal or something. It never really gets that much cheaper, but it got a tenner off and I just went for it. When it comes to Apple Music... Because I got the HomePods, that's the only thing they support. So I did have to sign up to actually test it out. Um, but I did get, I think it's six months free or something. So, um, oh, that's not so bad. It's a winner. Yeah. Do yeah. you notice any difference between these music streaming services? I've got to say, I don't. Well, I will say that I think when it comes to Amazon, I think Amazon's one of the better ones. Because what I like about Amazon is you, if you ask it to play an album, there's a good chance it will play you the entire album. Whereas for some reason on Apple Music, at least my experience anyway, a lot of the tracks were missing. It was almost as if you had to have bought the album or the tracks maybe didn't have the rights. Really? So you would get some of the, the tracks. I mean, don't get me wrong, it does have lots of, 
look, it's got lots of music on there, right? There's plenty of tunes. I'm not going to miss one or two tracks. But I always just felt that it wasn't that it was even forcing you to buy it. It was just that it wasn't available. That really? Was I, I haven't noticed that. I have noticed on Amazon Music that it seems to play it in shuffle mode at the beginning. And, the, you know, it says shuffling, I believe. But then... I say shuffle mode off, and it says it's already off. It, it's so confusing. Mm, okay. But I, I still love streaming services. I mean, just having access to whatever tune. It's, I mean, we're so spoiled, right? Going back in the day, I remember browsing those CD shops, uh, which are no longer there, obviously. Yeah. And it used to be so expensive, but now ah, it's amazing. We're living in fantastic times, Stephen Scott. I am a fan of a ballad or two, and uh, I remember there being a fantastic ballad, which I loved, called uh, One Moment in Time by the uh, late Whitney Houston. Give me one One moment moment in time. time. Oh, gorgeous. Have you seen the film yet? Uh, Which film? The new one? No. I want to dance with somebody. It looks cool. It's not available on a streaming service or for free. Well, not for free, obviously, (laughs) for a monthly fee. (laughs) Basically. Every month for the next uh, 20 years. But um, no, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I, I used to love that particular track. And it used to be on, there was a thing on on radio here. I'm sure every country has one. You know, the radio station has its like love hour, you know, the evening, Oof. midnight hour, whatever it was called. And um, that was the song it always started with because it was a hit at the time. So they always used to play it. And as we, as kids, we would sit there with our little tape recorders, you know, hold down play and record. <sighs> Try to, DJ DJ. Uh, oh. yeah, try, try to avoid the DJ. Yeah, try to avoid the DJ talking over it. Yeah, oh no, it's annoyed me. Um, and you know, I used to to love to listen to it. But I remember going into a store and saying, "Hey, I'd love to buy this. You know, could I buy this this just this track?" And I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it anywhere. It was on what? an album. It wasn't Not available a CD as a single. single. Oh. No, that time, no. Oh, sorry, single cassette, maybe. Yeah, that's right. That was another story. Yeah. Wow. Um, anyway, I was talking about Glasgow. You, you threw me oh, off yeah, my uh, thing because, yeah, you yeah, see, yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to mention because my, my wonderful city, I'm very proud of it because it was in the, uh, it's been in various movies. Um, I believe it was in uh, World War Z with Brad Pitt. I saw that being made. I did. did I, you? I, I got a chance to just say a very quick hello to Brad Pitt while he was filming that before he was eaten alive by zombies, obviously, or as uh, we call them, Glasgow citizens. Yes. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> They looked, for, they looked to Brad Pitt. They were did looking that actually for, happen? Did, no, they, I did. Well, I mean, I, me and a million other people were shouting, uh, Brad, right. Brad, hey, over here. Like, yeah, 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 hello. And he did. He, he turned around and he waved and he said hello to uh, everybody. To you specifically. But obviously yeah, like he that. was talking just to me, obviously. Yes, he always is. You know, kind of showing him the white cane saying, I'm blind, I get to go for it. <laughs> Didn't work. Um, but yeah, I did. there was a famous scene in it with a, 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 a truck, like a refuse truck, and it crashes into a thing and the truck was flying into the air. And I was there and I saw that be filmed. Uh, it was a great movie, actually. Very, I it was. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, yeah, um, it was good. Yeah, the, there was only the first 10 minutes or so was filmed in the city. But, uh, yes, it was, it was that's good. right, when it all kicked off. Yes, yes, the book is amazing, by the way. I, I will, I will say, I don't, think, I don't think that the scene at the beginning was actually intended. I think it just happened. Like They just went to Glasgow on a Friday and it just, you know, that's ha- that, and that's what happens, right? So they yeah. just basically they had cameras in position just to capture a day, and then they turned it into a movie. They just yeah, said they, it's a zombie said, film, but it the wasn't. fish and chip shops open and and go. Just no, film no, what's the, happening. The fish and chip shop was closed. That was the problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it all kicked off. Uh, but yeah, so not only that, uh, the Flash and Indiana Jones were two movies that were uh, debuted uh, in uh, the this Sunday Night Super Bowl, and uh, they were well, they were promoted. 
during yes. the Super Bowl, and both features Glasgow. Raw made Indiana here. Jones goes to Glasgow. That's not like the Temple Ford, of yeah. Doom. Yeah, that's it. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, there's a, there's a, a in one of the uh, scenes, Harrison Ford is riding a horse down St Vincent Street in Glasgow city centre. <laughs> that's where the Apple Store is. It's just <laughs> do you see the Apple Store? That'd be amazing. <laughs> that's just where the Apple Store is. It's brilliant. Um, so yeah, absolutely fantastic. So it was nice to see the city getting uh, gorgeous. Getting... God bless Glasgow. Why not? While we're here, absolutely. Oh yeah, what about Mr F? You haven't said hello to him yet. Uh, uh, sorry, don't throw me under the bus. I'm always thinking of Mr. God bless you, Mr. F, and oh, God bless Glasgow. There you go. Hashtag God bless Glasgow. <laughs> if that starts trending, people are going to wonder what's going on. I don't know what's happened. <laughs> Not right. likely to happen. Okay, carry on. Shall we get to some of our voicemails? In fact, before we get to the voicemails, I just want to quickly say... All right, we have a great guest coming up today on the show. We really do yes. have a fantastic guest coming up. We're going to be joined today by G- Gideon Mayhew, uh, who is the designer and the owner of Icon Factory, behind the infamous Twitter Ific app, uh, which is oh, no more. Hang on, Twitter Ific. Twitter. Yeah, I know. I kind of took a pause when I didn't need to take a pause there. Twitterific. Twitterific. You got to say it like your Scooby Doo. Twitterific. Terrific. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, Twitterific is the app, of course, that is has gone by the wayside as a result of Elon Musk's latest great idea, Boo. which is to get rid of all the third-party apps, being able to use APIs. So, Boo. yeah, Twitterific goes. But uh, we're going to have a really interesting conversation, I think, with. Um, with Gideon today, who it's fair to see, I think, you know, just in the chat I had with him previously before we came on, he's quite upset by this. He's quite upset by the decision and, and in a big way, more so than you might think when, you know, an app goes by the wayside, you might think, well, okay, whatever, I'll move on. Or, you know, it's only an app. But this had a profound impact on him. I know that, that the amount of work that goes into and the, the, the amount of love in some cases, not every case, but the amount of love that it goes into creating one of these apps, I totally get it. And yeah, it's it's a very interesting what he's got to say. Yeah, so we'll get to that. Uh, but let's go to our voicemails and uh, see who's been in touch. Hello, this is Darren from Bexley in Kent. Hey, Dan. Um, just a quick one this time. If you do get granted an interview from hims <laughs> yeah. regarding the um uh, regarding the uh yeah what is it called sense player. Sense. yes that's it <laughs> the sense player rather that's um, the one sense player ocr um i was wondering if you could answer put a couple of questions through firstly as far as the ocr on the sense player ocr is concerned can it or will it eventually have the capability of reading handwriting and also tabulated documents such as bank statements whereby it can go across the page rather than in columns because in some cases we need that Um, and will it be able eventually to have things like youtube and wikipedia and other things on there because that would be useful thing to have um, if we could have all those things, that would be brilliant. Those are the main questions. And also have the R&RB library on there and possibly Calibre and Torch as well. Um, we need those libraries on there because, you know, rather than, because it won't be as easy to connect. It's not as easy to connect memory sticks to those things and do it that way because, uh, I know the stream one have that capability, and I don't know whether the sense player 
will have that either. And if mm. it does, you'll probably have to buy a separate connector for it anyway. So it will be easier to have those libraries online. And okay. one other comment, I think they should make, you should make Laura as a TTS or somebody should. <laughs> she would be a good voice synthesizer to have uh, on devices or have her as an artificial intelligent voice reading things so you could have it reading books and things. That okay. would be good. It? Come on. How she would feel about it, I don't know. Could be a nice little learner for her. Uh, Until okay. next time, this is Darren saying bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Darren. Um, Thank okay. you, Darren. Uh, God bless Bexley. Laura's going to love uh, being kicked out of her job. Uh, yeah, we'll just take your voice, we'll copy it, and then uh, that's it. Oh, sorry, we don't have a job for you anymore. Laura, we, the TTS. She we has got only an have one, voice. We've only room for one Laura in here, and we've, we've already got two. So, you know, last in, first out, or whatever it is. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Look, in, in regards to the sense player, I am on the case to get the interview. We are hoping to get someone on. I'm just waiting for someone to confirm they'll be willing to come on. If you are listening, Hims, we'd love Please. to have you on. Please um, come on. Greg's been in touch as well regarding this. He says, uh, Hi, Stephen, when you mentioned the features of the Hymns Sense Player, it should be noted that as of now, it does not support audible playback. It is unclear, but likely that it currently does not play protected Daisy books such as NLS and Learning Ally. And <clears throat> it is very unclear what library services it will support, which is exactly what Darren's saying as well. Um, as it's based on Android, there is much possibility for future development, but if that will happen, is very unclear. Lots of unanswered questions. Yeah, I agree. Lots of unanswered That's questions. Cool. That, I mean, you know, these are the, the questions we need answers to. So yeah. hopefully they'll come on. Well, let's hope they do. Uh, okay, let's get another uh, message in. Uh, let's see who we have. Another voicemail. Hi, it's Ina calling from London, Ontario, Canada. I'm hey. asking the same question about Sense. Hymns, Sense OCR. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, so I would be curious as to know what it would be. Would it be a, a multifunctional player? So uh, I'd be curious to know. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, as, as I say, you know, we are hoping to get the answer to these questions. I mean, certainly in regards to the device itself, I think you want to think about this in the same way you would think about the Victor Reader stream or the Plex Talk, or the Blaze even, you know, it's the other products that Hims have produced before, the Blaze and the Blaze ET. Um, so I, I'd have a think about those kind of devices. It's it's a newer version of all of that, uh, and it has lots of interesting functions to it. I mean, one of the, the features that really stands out for me is the ability to remote control your iPhone or Android phone with it. I think that's really interesting. So you use it as a keyboard, in addition to having all the functionality that you get, say, with a Victor. But Again, we don't know all the details yet. And I think as well, it's important to say this, Sean, that there is obviously country-specific content as well. We have, oh, especially this... when it comes down to books, you know, yeah. book services, right? That is very, depends where you are in the world, what services you have available to you. You know, we, we had but, the guys from Real Thing on the other day, and uh, not the song uh, or the band. You to me are everything, the sweetest song that I could sing. Oh, oh. baby. Um, Beautiful. How did, not them. How did Valentine's Day go for you, Steve? <laughs> Terribly. Um, <laughs> honestly, my wife and I, we barely saw each other all day. And it was like, she said to me at one point, I'm going to bed. And it was five o'clock in the afternoon. That tells oh. you all you need to know. Oh, it does. That's enough. Thank you. Yeah. I will say she then, she, I should maybe add it on the point. She said, alone. Uh, so oh, okay. there you go. 
tells you. I'm not touching that. I'm leaving that alone. Well done. That's exactly what she said. So, um, oh, anyway, moving on. Please come on, Hims. Is what we're saying. (laughs) Thank you, Hims. We can't wait to talk to you. There's um, (laughs) some lots of questions and a lot of interest in the product. So please come on. Definitely. Right. Let's get a voicemail from Felix. So Felix is back. Hi, Devil Tapper. This is Felix uh, from London. I I just said that. that. Everyone else does it. Um, And um, first and foremost, welcome back, Sean. Glad to see you back on on the air. Oh, thank you, thank And yes, been missing you. Been missing you everywhere, basically. Um, I miss you. So yeah, glad to glad to see you on the mend uh, and uh, slowly getting better. Um, However, I would like to respond to yesterday's podcast, which was. or show which would have been the 13th of February 2023. Um, so um, talking about talking about um, talking about TikTok and stuff like that. Um, I well the ways to, the way that I do it is I have sort of not. I wouldn't say I've necessarily learnt to get past the uh, the algorithms. But I've learnt to get them to work for me. So, for example, uh, for whatever reason, my one on Facebook, the Reels tab on Facebook, uh, likes to give me cat videos, which is not bad. It's not a problem. Some really cute, uh, cute videos there and whatever else. And, Lovely. Um, and some hilarious ones, including cats that talk, which is interesting. And I'm like, okay, harmless stuff, so why not? So I let that do it, do its thing. On uh, TikTok, um, my, uh, well, the algorithm has learned I like a lot of, I like a lot of, um, um, detective stuff. So like, um, people like Jim, Jim Browning, who, who, uh, unravel scams of people using their money and stuff like that. Learned to give me that sort of stuff. But it's also given me stuff about broadcasting and radio because I've searched for that stuff. So if you want to change your algorithms, you can just search for videos that you might be interested in or people you might be interested in and it, it will tailor to what you watch. And remember, the more you watch something, the longer you watch it and hang over that video, the longer it learns and it um to, to its data. If you flick a, if you flick to a video or flick past the video within uh thirty seconds or less, then you won't see that video ever again. And I have to say sadly, I've come across some videos where they've shown me like true crime stuff, like actual like I mean there's someone who did some really, really bad crimes in the UK within the last was it last year, the year before? And they actually and I came across a video that was shown the actual live arresting of that person, or at least not live, but it was taken from their, the body camera. I don't know who the hell leaked that, but I flicked past that, and I, the few times I've seen stuff like that, I flicked past them, and now I don't see that stuff anymore. It doesn't show it to me anymore. So the idea is you have to play that its own game. You can even manipulate it. We all think that we are being controlled by uh, this sort of stuff, but actually we can control it to a certain degree. You feed it the data you want it to, to uh, use because you have to use it, then you'll be able to keep in control of what's being actually sent to you. So, like I said, I like uh, stuff like that from Jim Browning and, and scam stuff. And um, I also like stuff like Can't Pay, Take It Away. So, it showed me all that stuff, even though I've seen all those episodes. Uh, Can't Pay or Take It Away being a TV show by Channel 5, uh, maybe five, six years ago. Um, so, yeah, I've learned to basically use it to my advantage. Um, mm. Cookie stuff, yes. Um, the other thing I'll say really quickly, because I'm short on time here, is that remember that, I know most of us don't do this, but 
if you allow cookies, it they will learn from you. If you disable them, they won't learn from you. However, Until the other cookies. thing that we not most of us do is every month clear out your cache and your history um, from your browsers, all of them, uh, including phone ones, because it starts to create uh, digital footprints, uh, footprints from that. But the thing is, uh, we all forget because we just don't have the time, and we don't want to keep logging into everything every every so often. So that's another issue. So. Uh, remember to uh, clear your cache and history data on all your browsers. Uh, switch to uh, less um, less intrusive browsers such as DuckDuckGo and stuff like that rather than Google or Bing, sad, uh, sorry, Microsoft and Google. Uh, and you won't, you know, the data won't be collected. So um, that's pretty much all my thoughts on that. Now I'm off to go and have some food and... Mm. Uh, What's more t- uh, videos on um, uh, on uh, well um, Tim Browning? So I'll see you guys later. Right. Thank you much. Is he being sponsored? <laughs> I, I, I'm starting to wonder. Yeah, um, that, that's interesting, right? So he's off to have some food, but he's really feeding the algorithm. Mm. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. well done, yeah. sir. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Now that's some excellent tips there, and Easy, he's absolutely absolutely right. But there are some problems that it, it also shows you videos that you think is related to some of that content as well, mm. which may not be what you're looking at. The algorithm is always searching for the next thing. But Listen, yeah, we, good tips. Um, we are moving on uh, because we have got a great guest waiting in the wings. We're going to be joined by Gideon Mayhew, the uh, guy behind the app Twitterific. He joins us next to talk all about its demise and what's next at the Icon Factory, his company. That's next on Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. And now to our interview today uh, where we welcome a guest to the show, someone who has been behind one of the biggest apps for blind people using Twitter, certainly on the Mac and on the iPhone for sure. A very accessible application across a number of different platforms. And I'm so glad to welcome Gideon Mayhew to the show, a designer and owner at the Icon Factory, uh, joining us now on Double Tap. Uh, great to have you here with us, Gideon. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, it is great to have you here because obviously th- this conversation, I'm kind of wishing we'd had a conversation earlier to talk about the wonderful work that you've done. And I kind of feel it's sad now that we're talking about an application <laughs> you created that is, is no longer, essentially. Um, for those that don't know about Icon Factory as a, as a company, tell us a bit about it first off. Well, the Icon Factory uh, started back in all the way back in 1996 um, when myself and two others, uh, Talos Choi, my friend, we were roommates in college, actually graduated from RIT, Rochester Institute of Technology in New York. And uh, we we graduated and we came down to Greensboro, North Carolina, and we met our third friend, Corey Marion. And um, we started designing icons as a hobby. And uh, on we released them on AOL uh, just for fun. We did that for a while. And then over time, we gradually started designing icons uh, as freelance work 
for companies. And this work grew and grew. We started doing icons for Apple and Microsoft. We did the all of the icons for Windows XP and Windows Vista for Microsoft, um, among many, many others. And then it became a business. We we incorporated in 2001. We took on uh, new people. We had two more partners, Craig Hockenberry and Dave Braskawa. And then we've grown ever since then. We started releasing software for the iPhone when the iPhone came out. We've been designing apps and interfaces for clients for now for over 25 years. And uh, we're still going strong. It's really amazing, actually. Wow, what an amazing story. <laughs> that is incredible. It is. And I love those stories. And you sort of think, starting off just designing and creating icons, but look where it leads to. It's amazing. And of course, one of the applications you created, which most people, certainly in our community of blind people here, know you for, is and was Twitterific. I say that like we're burying it. I feel like we're at its funeral. Um, but, you know, <laughs> because it's sad, right? Twitterific is, is no more. And, and explain to our audience who maybe don't fully understand the story behind Twitter and not been following it perhaps the way us geeks have been. What, what happened between you as a company? and Twitter that led to the decision to to essentially end the app. Well, I mean, for those who don't know, you know, Twitter started all the way back in 2007, really. And um, it was a, a service that so so brand new and so unique it just allowed you to post small small snippets of your thoughts online. And at the time there was nothing like it. And we loved it when it when the was first released we we adored twitter but we didn't adore having to post from the website and we wanted first a native way to do it on our mac and craig hockenberry he came up with the idea of twitterific as a mac app that you could just launch on your desktop and put in a tweet and it would go of course they weren't called tweets then they were just posts or i can't remember exactly what they're called and that was great and fun and it grew pretty quickly and um, and at that fall i think it was the fall of 2007 there was a south by southwest conference in austin and twitterific was the talk of that conference everyone was downloading it trying it twitter was the you know the new hotness and everyone really took off with it. And then, of course, the following year, the iPhone came out in 2008. And it was a natural extension of like, okay, well, if I can do this from a Mac, how much better would it be to be able to tweet, you know, to post from anywhere? And we came up with a, there was no app store at the time, you know, 2008 was before the app store. Craig created a jailbreak version of Twitterific that you could sideload onto your phone. And that was also a big hit. Um, and then, of course, when the App Store came along, Twitterific was one of the very first apps in the App Store. And uh, it allowed people to explore the, the wonderful, early, shiny newness of Twitter uh, without all of the, the current hate and, you know, the rancor that, that's going on now. It was shiny a completely, newness. Yeah, it's just... just <laughs> completely different time back then i sound so old but i mean it's the truth and um and twitter over the years has had its ups and downs i mean they've been friendly to developers they've been hostile to developers we've lived through all of that until very recently when elon bought the company and decided that he'd 
didn't want to make it available to third-party apps anymore and killed us all off. So, Yeah, so that's that's the big news here, that they have actually officially cut off all access to the API, which makes third-party apps you know, able to use the Twitter framework, right? Yeah, unfortunately, that's the way it is now. I seem to remember, though, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, you seem to know your history really well there. Wasn't there a while, a few years back, before the Musk years or months, um, that Twitter were limiting the amount of calls that you could make on the API? I seem to remember that. There was some sort of limit to the amount. Was it tokens that a, a third-party app yes. could use to? I seem to remember yeah. that a few years. So what's, what's the difference between that back then and this now? Well... Uh, Part of the difference was we were still having communication with Twitter. They did impose limits on third-party clients because they wanted to grow the enterprise side of their business. They wanted to make the API available for paying customers to make use of it for creating bots and analytics and, you know, all of these other kinds of applications for Twitter. And so they introduced these paid tiers of access for developers and third-party clients had already been around before the before of that so they had to try to shoehorn us all in to that <laughs> to that environment um and so they started implementing they did they, they implemented token limits and introduced this limit so that you could only have a hundred thousand users per platform for your app which severely limited the potential for growth. You know, people over the years asked us all the time, why don't you make an Android app of Twitterific? And the reason for that was token limits. I mean, if we had made an, an Android version of Twitterific, we could only have had 100,000 users total on mm -hmm. the platform. And that's just, you know, for the cost that it takes to develop for, for such a platform, that's not worth it. it it's, it, you know, so we never did it. Um, but we were also lucky in the fact that we had a prior uh, relationship with Twitter, as did Tweetbot and many of the other third-party clients. And so when they introduced these limits, they created special circumstances for some of us. They grandfathered us in, and they gave us more, more API calls than the standard tiers allowed. Otherwise, we would never have been able to even exist on the platform after that, which is, you know, there's so many tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of users that make so many API calls. They've just been ridiculously expensive, you know, um, but it, we were lucky. And if they had required us to do things like run promoted tweets or other things in the in the timeline then of course we would have complied um but that never came up they, they never offered that to third-party clients and i think that's the interesting yeah. bit in all this because of course there is the other side of the argument that comes out of the decision by twitter to do this and cut off third-party apis which is essentially to say well you know what developers were doing in some cases where well, they were creating a twitter app they were you know getting twitter content in but they were stripping out the ads from twitter perhaps even offering their own ads and then offering a subscription service to the application that could strip away those ads and mm -hmm. there's an argument that says well you know that's not really that fair to twitter so maybe twitter has a point in all this but what do you say to that I, I don't disagree. I mean, I, it, Twitter, it's Twitter's platform to do what they wish, and they can monetize it however they need to. Um, if they had come to us or any other 
third-party client and say, you must now run promoted tweets in the timeline or you're off the service, then of course we would have said, okay, we'll do it. That would have been uh, probably a non-starter. Um, but they never did that. They, they never even approached us about running promoted tweets or having some kind of cross promotion or subscription for Twitter. Um, that just wasn't on their radar. They were even focused in other areas. And so, and to be honest, third party clients are a minuscule part of the total user base of Twitter. So even if they had run promoted tweets, I'm sure that the the engagement for those promoted tweets would have been just a tiny fraction of what they received on the website and through the official the official applications on iPhone. So which is probably why they never did it. Honestly, mm. you know, um, by our standards, we have a lot of users, and we had a you know for us as, as small developers, we we had a lot of people. But for Twitter itself, it was really just a drop in the bucket. I, I, yeah, there, there's, I can see both sides of the argument here, right? This is Twitter's content and they make the API available. And, you know, it could be argued that third-party apps are just piggybacking off that. But at the same time, I, I could argue, especially from our community, that sometimes um, a third-party app can be more accessible from a you know, disability point of view than the official Twitter app or even the website, or even depending on what platform you're on. So that's one argument. But I think the thing here with this latest cutoff is that how it happened, because it, we started getting reports that this isn't working. Suddenly this has gone down, this isn't working. And it seemed like the lights were turning off all over. And then it, it just seems there was no communication at all. You were just, bang, you're gone. We're finished. And that, that can't be right. Yeah, that was the hardest part, honestly. Even when our relationship with Twitter was adversarial, you know, back in 2012, 13, something like that, they still had communication with us. They still gave us... I remember when they introduced the... They were take, going to take away the live streaming of tweets from from the API. You would not be able to get them in real time any longer. And when they did that, before they did that, they gave us, I think, six months to prepare for that change. Yeah. Um, and they talked, we had several calls with them to talk about it and how would we would adapt and what they needed to do so that our user base didn't just like fall off the, the planet. You know, they, they gave us opportunity to change Twitterific, to update the code in order to accommodate those changes. And that is professional and the way it should be. But this time, of course, we had no warning at all. Twitterific just stopped working late one Thursday night without warning. There was nothing from Twitter. And even when we requested information from Twitter, they didn't reply. There was no official information from the developer channels or forums on Twitter. And we even put in a, a request, an, a, a technical support request that was never answered at all. Um, so you can imagine Why? how frustrating it was. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, this is this is just being echoed all over the place, you know. And especially, I mean, one of the areas of deep concern for a lot of blind users is accessibility. As Sean's saying, you know, that's why a lot of people turned to apps like yours. Now, I've seen quite a robust discussion on Twitter, funnily enough 
of people saying there's nothing wrong with the Twitter app as it is. But it wasn't about that for a lot of people. It wasn't that it was inaccessible. It's just that there was better options, better choices out there. You had put a lot of love and attention into your version of the bird. I think a lot of people preferred your bird icon, to be perfectly honest, by all accounts. It was very popular. I think a lot of people were sad to see it go. I saw a tweet from someone who said, this bird had a home, you know, uh, which was Mm -hmm. very sad. Um, (laughs) But, you know, icons aside, you know, the application did have a massive impact. What what response did you get from the community once the news, once you put out the news that the app was was at the end of the road? It it was tough. I'll be honest. It uh, one of the hardest things that about this whole episode has been hearing from blind users who can no longer use Twitterific. You know, reading those emails really. I had a lot of sleepless nights. You know, to be honest, it's 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 tough. Because you've put your heart and soul into something for so long, first of all, and you devoted so much of your professional life to it, and then it unceremoniously just gets ripped away, you know, on a whim. And that's hard enough to deal with. But when you have users coming out of the 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 internet telling you that, it's going to be harder to surf social media. It's going to be harder to make those connections with other users without your app, without the work that you've done. And that they may even in fact leave the service completely because of it. That is, uh, honestly, it's heartbreaking and it's been one of the hardest things I've had to deal with through this whole thing. It really, it's tough. And, um, uh, I, I harbored a lot of resentment towards Musk for it. Um, it's starting to ease up a little bit now because we have time between then and now it's been a month Mm. since this happened. Um, but I still, I still feel anger there and sadness and disappointment for these users. Um, I hope they can get the kind of experience that they need. Twitter, Twitter wasn't always accessible. It really wasn't. (laughs) And, uh, the teams there had to fight hard for it to get it. And then when Musk fired everyone, when he let people go, the entire accessibility team is gone now at Twitter. So I wouldn't expect any quick or agile work done there in the, in the area of accessibility for new features and or new directions. Not like that's important anyway. You know, we're talking about now elon feeding the entire service his tweets personally at the top Mm. of your your timeline that just happened yeah you know we learned that the other day so how important is accessibility for that (laughs) but at any rate uh, it's it hasn't been great yeah you 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 do sound profoundly impacted by this this is more than just oh well it's another app there you go we delete it from the app store clearly it means a lot more to you than that for sure. Like I said, it's something that we've all been working on for since 2008. And uh, it's, we've stuck through it, through it all, and ups and downs, and now it's just gone. But I think it's for the better. Now that I've had some distance for it, I'm I'm truly starting to think that it's for the better. Because Twitter as a whole, I don't think at this moment is worth it. I, I've come to that decision in my mind with everything that he's done to it everything that's going on over there um the the inability to to see the kinds of content that you want to because it's of the algorithm um 
the the hate speech and the the users that he's allowed back on the platform, his total disregard for rules when it comes to disinformation, uh, and all of that. It's it's really sad. Um. I I think you've answered my next question, um, but there is talk of Twitter coming up with APIs that they will sell access to the API so that, I guess, third-party bots and also applications can benefit from the platform but essentially pay towards it. Um, by the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like Twitterific is coming back anytime soon under this under this new option. Honestly, no. I would say no. Um, even if they did allow the kind of access that we could afford, which is a big if that is a huge if, I mean, he, he announced that there was going to be free read only access to the API, but Twitter can't just use read only access. Users need to be able to post as well as read. Um, and so that really doesn't affect Twitterific at all. It would affect things like bots or, you know, some kind of, some other kinds of third party apps, but not, third-party apps like Twitterific and Tweetbot, we would need full access to the API. And in, in, in a way that wouldn't make it prohibitively expensive. Um, just to give you, I just want to give you like a really quick example of this. Like when Twitterific was in use, you could go in and when you saw a foreign language tweet on the timeline, you could press the gear and you could tap translate for that tweet. Every time you did that, Twitterific would send that foreign language tweet to the Google Translate API, translate it, and then return the result. That action alone would cost us, not the users, but it would cost us, you know, fractions of a penny every time. And the more people that translated tweets, the more expensive it got. So our translation bill from Google would change every month depending on how many people started to translate. When the invasion of Ukraine took place and everyone in Europe started posting these tweets from Russia and Ukraine in foreign languages, that bill jumped up exponentially because, you know, there were so many more foreign language tweets. Imagine that times 100,000 for the actual, just the tweets themselves, not for an action that a user would take to translate, but to read those tweets or to post those tweets into the service. And even at fractions of pennies per per API call, you're starting to talk about tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And for a tiny developer like us, that's just impossible. You know, it's not, it's not feasible at all. Um, so it gives you an idea, but if, if money were just not even an option, if money, if I had all the money in the world and we had all the users in the world and they were paying all the money, would I want to do it? Mm. Not right now. I wouldn't not with the way Musk is. He's unreliable. He's, he's not trustworthy in his policies and, and, or his direction for the company. He changes whims, he changes direction on a whim overnight he he does polls to make up policy it, how can you develop how can you build a business around something like that in my opinion you cannot so that's where we are why 
That's such a shame. Have you spoken to any other developers of any popular third-party Twitter apps at all? I mean, what's the feeling amongst other developers? Is it echo basically what you, you're feeling there? I'm assuming, yeah. Yeah, it does. We've spoken with uh, Paul Haddad and Mark Jardine over at TapBots through this whole mess. And they're pretty much in the same boat. They're actually, I think they're in a worse boat than we are, um, quite frankly, because, you know, they only have a smaller, they have a smaller limited group of products. And TweetBot was by far their most popular product. And so they relied on the revenue from that app to run their business. And when Twitter took that away, that that's a severe blow for them. You know, thank goodness that they had been seeing the writing on the wall and they, they took action and started developing for Mastodon instead. And they came up with this awesome app ivory for Mastodon. And, um, I don't, I'm not sure if it will make up for all of the revenue that, that Tweetbot had for them, but it's certainly a, a, a good thing. And, just in the nick of time, honestly, for them. Um, that's not to say that either one of our companies or any of the other third-party companies are out of financial trouble. We're certainly not. We're still bracing for for automatic refunds that are coming from our users in the weeks ahead from people who had subscriptions who are no longer able to you know, get the service that they subscribe for. And so there's going to be refunds, and Apple has braced us for that. Um, and that's that going to hurt. There's just no way around it. it it's going to hurt. But you are doing something very decent there. And I know that, you know, it is the right thing to do. But, you know, the fact is you've done it, which is to say to people, look, you've you've paid for this app. You've paid for a year or whatever you've paid for. You'll get it back um, because it doesn't exist. And I think that's that's very decent of you to do. Um, you know, clearly, you know, a company that considers its, its customers and and cares about the customers i can tell that but of course you know and, and i should say this as well you know twitterific is not the only app you have i mean it's one of, it's funny that it takes something like this to happen for you to look beyond one app and actually right. find out more about the company itself and learn about the other apps you do so, so maybe give us a flavor of some of the apps that you know people can go and download and and continue to support your company through as well because i think that's the way i'm looking at it is if we can support you another way in our community then this is a this is a cool way to do it Oh, we appreciate that. And, you know, every little bit helps um, when it comes to this stuff. It's we make a, a wide range of apps. We don't just make Twitterific, thank goodness. But uh, we also we make my favorite app that we make is called Linea Sketch. And it's a drawing app for the iPad. Uh, it came out a few years back and we've been working on it ever since. And it gets better every year. And I am a, I'm a designer by trade and I use it almost every single day of my professional life. And it was designed for us to be a simple way to draw on your iPad so that you can get your ideas down on quote unquote paper and not be bogged down by the, the interface, not being bogged down by hundreds of brush choices and canvas sizes and all of these things. It's a, it's a pick it up and draw tool for the iPad that um, a lot of people really love. And uh, we're going to, we have some really great plans to update it in the future. And we just released a major update a couple weeks ago. Um, that's one of them. And another is called Tot, T-O-T. I can't a, see that apparently. Sean tells me I can't see yeah, Tot. Yeah. Tot. No, we had a 15 minute discussion about what this app was called. Um, tot <laughs> is, is what he kills it. I didn't understand. 
We could have named it better. I have to say that was like one of the things. It's not your fault. Trust me, it's not your fault. It's Sean's fault. He's got no understanding of the English language. I've tried teaching him. Taught. But it's impossible. Taught makes total sense. Taught something down. It's fine. Exactly. That's what I said. Yeah, but you were saying taught, as in like something that stretched very tightly. Like I taught you something, like English. <laughs> All right, it's taught. Anyway, T-O-T, tell us about it. T-O-T, it's a, it's a very small note-taking app. It's just a, a you could consider it to be a scratch pad for your Mac or your iPhone or your iPad. It just lets you jot down ideas very quickly. But unlike other such apps, you're limited to seven pages, seven, we call them dots in inside the app. And each one is color coded and you can put whatever you want inside of a dot. Um, but there's only seven of them. And so it forces you just to keep the stuff that you want to keep and get rid of the stuff you don't want to keep. We've heard from users who have note-taking apps they have thousands of pages of stuff that they've never really look at anymore and it gets unwieldy and hard to organize and so tot's main purpose is to keep you from doing that is it's trying to help you to stay concise and you know just the stuff that you need i have one dot that's a to-do list for the week i have another that's just keeps track of my uh emails that I've got to reply to and things like that. And you can customize it however you want it. We pay great attention to how it looks. It's got light mode and dark mode. You can customize the colors and it syncs with iCloud. So as soon as you put something in on your iPhone, it's there on your Mac and vice versa. Um, it's very small and light and fast and quick. And uh, it's really, it's quite fun, actually. And I, I don't mean to sound rude by asking this, but is it voiceover friendly? Have you tested it with Voiceover? It is. It's accessible, and it. We always are trying to improve accessibility. Uh, in of course, but uh, it is. It's it's quite accessible, and we're pretty proud of the fact that we we try to really take care when it comes to that aspect of our applications. You know, I don't think it was always that way. I'll, I'll, I'll own up to that fact. When we first started business, we, it wasn't forefront in our minds, but over the years, we've really learned about how important accessibility is to our users. And, um, we've always tried to, to make those aspects of the app better and listen to the feedback from the community, which is the big thing, because I don't use a screen reader, obviously, myself. And so when people come and tell us and give us their feedback about how voiceover should behave or, you know, what the rotor action should be doing for a particular application, then I, I heed that and I want to try to incorporate the, the feedback from the user base and uh, it's really important and now with Twitterific being gone I think it's more important than ever so Twitterific is gone um, a lot of blind people seem to be moving over to Mastodon that seems to be a place where the community is growing it, will there ever be a, a trunk ific <laughs> The work, on the name work there, on the Stephen. name. You know, Please. you can workshop that, right? That's just a that's just an idea, right? Please don't use Too that. Terrific. And if you do use it, please do not put my name next to that. <laughs> Too terrific. Yes. Too uh, terrific. Fa- yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Fantastodon. Yeah. Um, there's. There, oh, we're we, getting there. We get, yeah, we have a whole page of names that we brainstorm, actually. It's pretty funny. Um, yeah, we posted a, a blog post about this because everyone keeps asking about it. I can't honestly ask that answer that question. I, I don't know. We, we can't 
for sure, we can't do anything in the short term because we're we're working on other projects internally. We're working on uh, an update to our Apple Arcade game, Frenzic, and that has all of our resources devoted to it. And that will be until the spring. At After that point, then all cards are on the table. And, you know, it, I'm not going to say it won't happen, but I won't say that it will happen. Um, the market and for Mastodon is changing day by day. Mm. There, are, there are so many good apps for Mastodon out, even as we speak. Um, it's hard to imagine designing something that would outclass some of those. It, it really is like the early days of Twitter when where everyone and their uncle was developing a Twitter app. Uh, it's the same with Mastodon right now. There are a lot. There are over, I think, two dozen good mastodon apps maybe there's a handful of excellent ones but there are still a lot of good ones um, which is encouraging you know but it's also hard to compete with so how do you make your app better than all of them and and so we'll see when we get to that bridge if we cross it or not i'm not sure yet Gideon, it's been really interesting talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about it. iconfactory.com is the website to find out about all the apps that you have and of course you can subscribe to them and, and and buy them and download them from the various app stores on the Mac. I, you know, one thing I didn't see earlier and I want to just remind people of is how wonderful Twitterific was on the Mac because that was another area where, you know, accessibly using Twitter on the Mac, that was a real challenge. And the fact that you had the ability to use the same application on the phone as well uh, was brilliant. You know, keep your reading position, sync position, all that stuff. That was really, that that meant a lot. And uh, you, you, did, you did a great thing with that application for the community and a I think it's just well, important thank, to say thanks. that. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate that. And I, I, I really would like to just make sure that everyone out there knows how much we appreciate all of the support that you have given us over the years for Twitterific and for all of our other things. It it really it makes stuff like this happening with, with Twitter bearable and, and seem not so bad to get the great kind of feedback that we've been getting and the support that we've been getting. Um, I, I really have no words for it. It's, it's very humbling and uh, we appreciate it. And I appreciate you letting me come on and, and talk about it and talk about our other apps as well. It really means a lot to us, all of us at the Icon Factory. So thank you for that. Gideon Mayhew, thank you so much for coming on to Double Tap. It's been a really interesting and um, quite open and honest conversation. I'm so glad that you came on to share your story today. Uh, that is it for our show today. Give us your feedback and what you've been hearing on the show. As always, you can email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com, or you can call us one 803 4567 We'll be back tomorrow. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-TV every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at AMI.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.